This is episode number 27 of the Founder Podcast with Charlie Hone. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Bonjour. My name is Nathan Chan, and I am the host of the Founder Podcast. Just thought I'd try uh, my French to mix things up a little bit, just so I have a little bit more of a, I guess, friendly vibe, because I can be a little bit dull when I open these episodes up. So today's guest is Charlie Hone. He's an extremely successful marketer. He's been mentored by Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, Ramit Sethi. He's been working behind the scenes with a lot of these guys behind their book launches. So he's well, he's a well-known book marketer. He recently wrote a book called Play It Away. And it's around a workaholic's guide for curing anxiety. And uh, in this interview, Charlie shares with me a whole ton of really interesting strategies on what it means to avoid burnout and how to live a balanced life. Because as entrepreneurs, we thrash pretty hard. And when you want it bad enough, you want to do whatever it takes. So you just work really fucking hard. I think it's common to for entrepreneurs to get burnt out and become workaholics. And Charlie actually went through his own self-healing process on how he cured himself. And before we jump into today's show, I just wanted to share with you a quick little story that you might find interesting. About eight to nine months ago, we interviewed Ariana Huffington for, for a front cover story for Founder Magazine. And I said to her, like we exchanged emails, and I said to her, if there's ever anything you ever need to promote your book in Melbourne, just let me know. I'm here to help. And uh, funnily enough, about four months ago, I received an email from her inviting me to be a personal guest at a, a speaking event that she was going to be speaking at in Melbourne. 
you know, the day came. I went to this event. Ariana Huffington's team at the Huffington Post said, here's the address, here's the details, and uh, your name's on the door. And long story short, when I got there, I couldn't actually get in. The security people of the event wouldn't let me in. They said they didn't know anything about me. It's not Ariana's event, so I couldn't get in. And it was just one of those things that ended up being a massive blessing in disguise because I sent, after that I sent a, an email to Ariana saying I'm really disappointed. Unfortunately, we won't get to catch up. They wouldn't let me in, but um, maybe we'll catch up sometime soon. And uh, she wrote back to me and said, oh, well, this lady is having a book party for me at her house. Would you like to join? And, uh, you know, I jumped at the opportunity and she actually did this very, very intimate talk at this person's house. Uh, there was about probably about 50 people there. And she shared, you know, just face to face the things that helped her grow the Huffington Post to what it is today. And something that really hit home for me was she was just talking about the power of meditation and mindfulness and really just having fun and taking stock ever since you know just being there and hearing her you know talk about how these strategies have helped her grow her business it just blew my mind and you know I'm I'm massive on meditation I'm massive on trying to have fun and and lead a balanced life and not work so hard. Yeah, I do thrash hard, but I'm trying to treat myself like a racehorse. And a racehorse needs rest. You can't run it every single week. You can't take it to the races and expect it to perform the best. So this is a really great interview where Charlie gives us a whole ton of strategies on what to do when you have anxiety and how to get ahead and I guess really take control of your life and not always be so worked out and stressed out. So let's jump into today's show. If you are enjoying these interviews, please do leave us a five-star review. It'd mean the world to me. Check out the magazine as well. Thank you for sharing your earbuds with me. Let's jump into the show. Today I'm speaking with Charlie Hone. He's an author, marketing strategist, speaker, and play enthusiast. After graduating from Colorado State University in 2008, he studied under and worked with a number of best-selling authors such as Ramit Sethi, Seth Godin, Tucker Max, and Tim Ferriss. So, Charlie, I'd just like to say thank you for taking the time to speak for me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nathan. Absolute pleasure, dude. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you got your job? I guess I need to start when I first got out of uh, college. I I graduated in 2008, which was kind of when the recession, I guess, officially hit. I struggled for a few months because I was just blasting out my resume to all these companies for jobs that I didn't really even want because that's what everyone was doing. You know, all my friends were doing that and that's what I was told would work. And then I kind of had a breaking point when the only two companies out of more than 100 that wanted to offer me a job were basically backbreaking labor or a pyramid scheme. And so 
Wow. I decided to change things and I started uh, just reaching out to people that I wanted to work with that I would be like a dream to work with. And I would reach out and offer to uh, work for them for free. And I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur or an inventor or an artist. Those professions really spoke to me and appealed to me most ever since I was a kid. And so I was reaching out to uh, entrepreneurs and authors. The first guy I worked with was Ramit Sethi, who runs the blog, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And I was doing video editing for him at the time. And I started doing some online research for Tucker Max and eventually became his videographer. And then both of them recommended me to work with uh, Tim Ferriss because they were both friends with him. And uh, I became Tim's first full-time employee. I worked with Tim for about three years. After that, I went to co-found an app startup with a couple friends of mine. I only did that for a few months. It didn't really work out because I just didn't really like apps that much. And then after that, I went and uh, started working on my own books. And that's how I got to where I am today. And now... I've just released my first book. Yeah, awesome. So it's safe to say that that you've you've had a pretty wild ride. That you've that you've done some amazing things and you've played pretty hard. So th- this mm-hmm. brings me to to your latest book. Can you tell us about that and and how you got to start with working and writing Play It Away and and what's the overall framework? So the reason I wrote Play It Away was I was I was actually working on another book that was a full length book and it was about how to get any job basically how to how to set up an apprenticeship and how to how to land a job that you actually want after you get out of school hmm. and I had this section in there about dealing with burnouts and how to quit and what it's like to overcome anxiety. I showed that book to a number of my friends and they they all said this information's helpful but it doesn't belong in this book. It's its own thing. It doesn't fit. So I decided I'm, I'd just post part of it on my blog just to see the response. And I wrote, a, I wrote an essay called How I Cured My Anxiety. And that essay did really, really well. It became one of the most popular things I'd ever written. Within a few weeks, I received hundreds of messages from people all over the world who, who were suffering from anxiety. And for it's, it's no longer the case, but for about a year, it was uh, the number one search result on Google for cure anxiety. So it was getting a lot of traffic, and a few months after it had been doing pretty well, I put up a a form that just asked at the bottom of the post, if you would be interested in reading a short book on this topic, you should give me your email address and and what, what you suffer from, basically. Describe what it's like to go through what you're going through. Within, I think, three days, I had over 100 people sign up which was pretty crazy. So that showed me that, like, man, there are a lot of people suffering from this and uh, they could really use the book. So I spent a couple months just putting the book together 
the book is structured. You asked about the framework. It's just basically the shift. I had the mental shift that allowed me to get out of an anxious mindset and the four-week plan for anybody to follow if they want to get back to health and happiness. And this isn't just random stuff that worked for me. This is all stuff that is really, it's backed by scientific research and data. And uh, it's all stuff that I spent a lot of time researching myself and testing. And it's worked for a lot of other people. But the main message of the book is that play is essential to humans to be healthy and happy. And my problem was I was chronically depriving myself of play. And I didn't realize it. And I'd done it for years. When I first heard about your book and and hearing you in another interview, I, it was really refreshing, man, because I think a lot of people go through challenges and struggles, but you just don't realize it. And, mm-hmm. and we, we often compare ourselves to others, but and we think, oh, that person's got such an awesome life and, you know, they're doing so well and they're, you know, right. this amount of money. But you don't you don't see what's going on behind the scenes and i think what what i heard when you spoke it really opened up doors for me because me personally i'm going through a situation where i'm thrashing so hard man like you wouldn't believe right and it can be tough and i myself go through a lot of stress and feeling overwhelmed and it was refreshing to hear how your story of of how you came over overcome that if you want to elaborate at all on, on what you're going through, you're more than welcome to do so. If not, I understand. But yeah, it's, 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 it was frustrating to me um, to always see like on Facebook and Instagram, it's just like we have a tendency to make that into the highlight reel of like just the positive stuff. And it's, it's understandable, you know, we, we don't get rewarded for sharing and being open and vulnerable, or at least we're not used to it. And we want everybody to like us. So we don't, we kind of hide the negative stuff, but the, the, the negative, the, the bad, the honest and the vulnerability, kind of the ugly side where it's not you saying like, look how screwed up I am and like taking pride in it, but like just being like, man, can we all just admit how hard it is to be on this constant treadmill like no matter what position we're in I mean I burned myself out sure but like I know a lot of guys who do the exact same thing and in way less I guess prestigious or in the spotlight type roles who deal with really severe burnout and really severe stress and they don't have anybody they can talk to about this stuff because it's just always swept under the rug or we just kind of ignore it until it gets out of control and then we collapse and um yeah it's just really i was just talking to to my friend about this it's just like workaholism it's one of those addictions that is not ever addressed it's not stigmatized yet there are people who are literally working themselves to death like in japan they work such long hours um, and they're so accommodating to like intensive demands at, at work that tons of them are actually dropping dead at work. And they actually have a name for it. It's called Kuroshi. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just a big problem that I just didn't really see being addressed in, in ways that 
resonated with me. Um, a lot of people just advocate like, oh, just, you know, all you got to do is meditate 10 days or 10 minutes a day. And that's fine. And it works. But like, to me, it doesn't, it didn't change like how I viewed the world. It, I would still feel like serious and be, and be like, man, I'm not doing meditation right. I'm not like doing this perfectly. And the only thing that like pulled away that seriousness of the world and made me realize like what I was doing wrong was remembering to play because play is something we all did when we were kids. It came very naturally to us. It's something we all intuitively grasp and understand. It's the nature of play and just having fun and not caring and being joyful. And we all have those activities that bring us into that emotional state. And that's actually where our best and most honest work comes from, I think, in no matter, I mean, it's, it's not work in the sense of like, you know, business stuff, but our efforts when they're put into play, that's what brings out our creativity and just the best parts of ourselves. When you talk about play, how often do you play out of curiosity now? How, how much <laughs> do you break it up with work, like thrashing on, you know, fun, exciting business projects, and then playing. How, yeah. Do you include that in your social stuff or, you know, with your girlfriend or, or whatever? Like, can we, can we define play a bit more? So play is effectively anything you do voluntarily just for its own sake, for fun. Uh, you do because it is enjoyable to you. It's just fun. And you're not doing it to win. You're not doing it to show off to other people. You're doing it because it gives you an internal paycheck. It makes you feel good. And I think, like, for me, I try to play every day. Obviously, like, stuff gets in the way sometimes and it, and it doesn't happen. And sometimes I just forget, you know, we, we all do. But I find that the more I make play a priority the healthier and happier I feel. So I, I've been doing uh, improv comedy for the last several months. Um, I do that three hours every week. Um, I play outdoor sports occasionally. I'll, I'll go um, hit baseballs at a baseball field mm -hmm. and uh, just take batting practice. I play with uh, my friend's dogs. And there's also like a pet, a dog shelter nearby that's that's pretty fun to visit. And and I play with an aerobic frisbee pretty often. Go to the park and just play catch with that. That's I think a really fun form of uh, of play. It's just like it's so simple. When you're playing, you give your mind a break. I think it's like it's kind of like sleep, where it's not that your mind turns off. It just gets it gets a break. It gets to breathe and get away from this constant influx of uh, notifications and disruptions and digital information. You're no longer looking at a screen. And I think that's an important thing to distinguish is like a lot of people think video games are play. They are not. With a few exceptions, like with video games, you're staring at a screen, you're sitting indoors, and it's, it's interactive and it's cool but it's an isolating activity. My favorite forms of play are ones that get you around other people, just good, positive people that you can be yourself around and feel relaxed. Having fun 
and doing something physically active and ideally outdoors. So I find outdoor sports are the best for fighting off anxiety. Yeah, look, I feel definitely when I go to the gym, like that's why that's why me personally right now, I'm so ruthless about going to the gym. If somebody wants to right. catch up or do something, I'm like, nope, I've got yep. to go to the gym. The big one for and what, me. And what time of day do you go? Lunchtime. Lunchtime. Interesting. Yeah, I I try to do the gym um, first thing, like shortly after I wake up, because I find that it has a uh, an effect on the rest of the day. It's like laying the soil, laying the foundation for your day. And um, I I just like knowing that I've done like exercise, like movement, training, taking care of my body first thing. Do you mostly just lift heavy weights or are you a treadmill kind of guy? Oh, no, I, I like lifting weights. Yeah, I uh, I think that's what everyone should do. I think I don't understand people who get on the treadmill for an hour and a half. Like, that's miserable. That's just miserable. Like, no one likes that. There's yeah. no way. It just sucks. It's yeah. uncomfortable, too, because you're restricted and you're like, if I trip, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's just lifting heavy weights is so good for you. Yeah, and I think, like, I go with, like, a few of my mates, and I think there's, like, that boy's mentality, which is fun. We just mm-hmm. have to chat and yeah, catch up. Yeah, I think if I if I wanted to go for runs, I'd prefer to, to go outside. And Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Go outside. Like, what easier way to get to know your your town or your city, too? Yeah, that's right. So let's switch gears a bit. I want to talk to you about what do you think the biggest problem that, that young people have now is with with their expectations in life and trying to build something of value? Because what I think we find now in our generation is people just, they, they just see the end product. They see the Mark Cubans of the world and he talks about, you know, how he didn't take a holiday for seven years and he thrashed so extremely hard to get where he is today and that's why he is a billionaire. I think as entrepreneurs, um, it's rewarded to to work extremely hard and you know, never like just run off no sleep and and sacrifice absolutely everything. And one one of my favorite questions I ask people I interview is I ask them what what did you have to sacrifice to be where they are today? And a lot of things that come up are you know family, social life, all these yeah. crazy things. And I just want to know what. What, what do you think the biggest problem is? What, why is this? There are a lot of reasons. I think, I think that one big one is like getting kicked in the gut as soon as you get out of school and realizing like, man, at least for me, I got out of school and I was like, man, that didn't prepare me at all for what the real world's like. Like that was a tremendous waste of time. And it was also like I could have created my own education this whole time. Mm. What I loved about school was being around people. Mm. You know, I made amazing friends in school. I got it, it was a nice, safe little incubation area, but we didn't do anything. I mean, you, you do stuff, but you you do it. You do these arbitrary assignments that are given to you by teachers, um, and it's really just conditioning you to get comfortable working on boring shit 
and and also to look to other people to tell you what to do. Like it took me so long to get out of that conditioning to to not look for an authority figure, to not see like what do I do? What do I do? What do I, like I'm pretty good at it or I'm getting better at it now, but it just like listening to myself and following my own impulses. But man, it's just like takes so long to get out of that. So I think those are two really big things that can't be overlooked is like the the effect that school has on our entire population. It just makes a nation of followers who are complacent. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what schooling does. And it's it's a byproduct of the industrial revolution. And it, like schools were literally the modern education system that we go by today was literally made to churn out quality factory workers and they got them from an early age, trained them for a decade and a half and then put them into factories. Well, there are no factories anymore, but we're still raising kids to be factory workers. And that's like a real, a very real thing that is very rarely acknowledged. So that's the main thing. Another thing is just like now more than ever, we're just constantly, uh, we're constantly being disrupted. We're never really in the present we were always immediately gratified by something on our phones or our computers. And that makes it tough because it it means you have to have self-discipline to actually be effective and do stuff. So that's a major challenge that's only recent. And then the third thing, I think people don't realize that it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You know, you, you get to work for decades, decades. And so I mean, sure, there's the pressure to to get get some big wins early on so you can kind of coast or at least be comfortable and relax a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, there's some pressure at the beginning to to have some big wins up front so you can pay your bills and everything too. That's important. But I think people people need to get into the mentality that like this is not a, a one time around the track sprint. Unless you're in the tech startup world where billions of dollars are on the line and all that stuff. Like that's a it's also a miserable lifestyle, you know? So I think it's I think it's giving yourself permission to just say, like, look, I don't need to succeed immediately. I'm going to succeed eventually if I just keep showing up and doing the things that I love to do that are really fun for me and just keep work on getting good at them. The girl I'm dating, she's twenty-four and she wants to be a writer. Yeah. And her and I disagree on some things philosophically about like, I, I think she should bring her work to the market earlier and she thinks she's not good enough yet. And so like, but the, those are minor disagreements. The reality is I think she's actually going to be a very good writer someday or like she's already solid, but I think she's going to be a successful author someday because she shows up every day and works on her craft for a couple hours. And over time, it's like you just can't screw that up. Anybody who's showing up every single day and doing the work and working on their craft and wanting to get good because it's fun for them, it's exciting, it's, it's internally rewarding, that will inevitably lead to success and fulfillment and all that good stuff that everybody seeks. But most of us just don't have the patience or we get caught into these dead end careers. And, and once we start buying a bunch of stuff with the money that we've earned, we, we 
built ourselves a golden cage around us that's surrounded by nice furniture and all these nice things. And then after five or 10 years, we think, well, I can never go back. You know, I can't give all this stuff up. And, and you built your own prison. So I think there's, there's a lot of things going against people holding them back from living their dreams. And I think the biggest the biggest one by far is school, the effect that modern schooling has on people because, and, and no one's willing to say it because it's, it's such a part of our lives and it's education. How can you bash on education? Well, real education is not pumped into people by an institution for decades. Real education is evoked. It's brought out of you through experience, through real experience, and we're all chronically deprived of experience. Those are some very good points you raised there, and there's a few things I'd like to unpack, and that is you talk about school and you talk about recession-proof graduate and how you do, how you end up doing free, free work and offering your services for free, and that's how you landed and started working with people like Tim Ferriss and Ramit Sethi, Tucker Max. I'm curious because... You know, I, I, I read The 4-Hour Workweek, man, and, and that changed the game for me. I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing today if it wasn't for right. The 4-Hour Workweek. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that was a game changer for me. And I'm curious, like, there must be more than just offering your services to, to start working with these kinds of people, man. And I wonder, I wonder know what that is. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot more to it. So it, it's not a lot, but it's, it's a formula that anybody can replicate. Right. So first of all, I was showcasing my work and I think this is critically important. Everybody has a resume. Everybody's on LinkedIn. I think those are useless. Not relatively speaking. I think they're, they're fairly useless because they don't actually show what you're capable of doing. They tell, they tell other people what you're capable of doing, but they don't show it. And what I was doing was I was showing that what I was working on, I would show on my blog, I would, I would write about all the experiences I was going through while I was looking for a job or while I was working with these guys, I would share the successes that we had. After a while, I became known as a person who helps authors marketing their books. Okay. So Ramit, Tucker and Tim all get tons and tons of offers to work for them for free. Why do they turn down 99% of them, whereas they took me? There are a few different reasons. One, I was really specific with my offer. Everyone approaches these guys and said, hey, I'll work for you for free. I'll do anything, whatever you ask me. Like, it just all, all I need is like, I, I just want you to mentor me and like, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't asking them to do anything for me. I was approaching them and I was saying, hey, I'm a huge fan of your work. Here's the deal, like with Ramit, for instance, I notice you're great on video, but you don't do video. You, you do it very rarely. This was a few years ago. He does video all the time now. But I, I said, you're great on video. You rarely do it. And I'm guessing it's probably because it's really time consuming for you. You don't want to have to edit. You don't want to have to upload. Why don't I take care of all that for you? And I can build out your YouTube channel and we can even do some videos together I have a number of ideas for, for things we could do together. In fact, 
I put together a speaking video for you. It's a highlight reel of your speaking gigs that you can use to show people to help you land more speaking gigs. Wow. That's really tough to turn down. That's very specific. It highlights a problem that they have. I say, I'm coming to you with a solution. I'm not telling them hypotheticals. I'm showing them. Here's my work. Here's what you can expect. Do you want to do this? And then to seal the deal, I said, I'm going to do this for you for free. I want to give this a shot because I think we could potentially do some really cool stuff down the line together. So why don't we do this? Why don't we try it for a couple weeks? If you like my work, let's, let's do it until you're comfortable with potentially talking about us working together on, on a paid basis. If it doesn't work out, scrap my work, throw it away. You don't have to hear from me again and no hard feelings. Hmm. So I remove all the mental barriers they have in their head of, do I have to train this guy? Do I have to pay this guy? Do I even have to respond to this email because I feel really guilty about it? I take away all the guilt. I take away all the, every, every potential barrier they have. And I make it clear that I'm not doing this for a financial grab. I'm doing it for a relationship. Because I know if I, if I build a relationship with these people, it could potentially be a huge win for me for five or 10 or 20 years. And that's what people don't recognize is like for, for big guys like this who get hit up all the time, like their problem is not a lack of people willing to help them. Their problem is they're so strapped on time. They have all these things that they want to do but they can't figure them out. They, they don't even have time to stop and hire somebody and systematize the process. They, they just have all these barriers. And if you can overcome those barriers, you can get yourself in really good position. And I'm not the only one who's done this. It's, there's countless case studies. I won't go into them now, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I've got dozens of case studies of people who've gotten themselves into ridiculous positions at very early ages in a very, very quick, in a relatively fast frame of time. Mm. And uh, it's consistently the most effective way of doing this is through free work. Oh, it's fascinating. Look, we have to work towards wrapping things up, man. I just, I'm just curious, before you, you officially burnt out, you were working with Tim. Can you give us a little bit of an insight behind the scenes of of what, what exactly happened and, and how you burnt out and, and what it's like to work with him and, and yeah, just some, some interesting stuff like that. Sure. So I've worked with Tim for three years mm -hmm. and overall it was a really, really tremendously positive experience for me. I, I got to do a lot of amazing stuff. I met an incredible amount of amazing people he gave me basically every opportunity that I wanted or yeah, I, I wasn't requesting much of him, but he just constantly put me in these amazing positions. And my goal when I was working for him was to be indispensable, was to be the best at my job and was to be as good as him. So I wanted to be his trusted advisor, his partner, not like some menial assistant. So every time I did an assignment, I would ask, what else can I do to help? 
over the course of three years, it, it built up. You know, I started by doing basic research that any virtual assistant could do. Up until within a few years, I'd, I'd helped him edit his, his book. I'd helped him launch his book. And I was completely in charge of coordinating this huge conference that he put on. And that was a lot to handle for a 25-year-old. And so it was, I mean, for anybody, actually, it didn't matter my age. I just didn't have very much experience in that stuff. And, and though I had, like, really good resources and a lot of help, it was really stressful. So, and I put a lot of pressure on myself because I wanted to be so good at this stuff. So I secretly ordered, without telling anybody, a pill, a brain pill that can keep you awake for days. The military uses it for their fighter pilots to keep them awake on multiple day missions. And doctors sometimes prescribe it to people with narcolepsy. And I was, I was just working around the clock. I took this thing for four days in a row. And before that, I had been sitting indoors in cafes organizing everything for this event. I was drinking coffee all day long. I was sitting still staring at a screen. I stopped interacting with friends. You know, you said earlier, like, what did you give up? Mm. I stopped having fun interactions with friends. You know, I was communicating with everybody online. And just in general, I was very overwhelmed with this conference. And after the conference was over, we'd done an amazing job. Like, everything went perfectly. And people loved it. After the adrenaline rush wore off, I just felt extremely burnt out. So I, I just want to make it clear, like, <laughs> I mean, a number of people have, have asked me, they're like, well, you know, you're, you were working around the clock for the guy who advocates the four-hour work week. Why couldn't you do it? And it was like, look, I never went into this with the intention of working four hours a week. I wanted to get the most from the experience. Who else gets to be in that position? Not very many people. Literally one. You know, so I wanted to take the most advantage of it as possible. And that's why I was able to be in that position in the first place. So, so yeah, eventually I burned out, uh, but I kept trying to work my way through it. And that was the problem. It was like, I was like a boxer who'd been knocked out, but keeps trying to stand back up and fight. And it's like, you need to stop. You need to pump the brakes. No, but I would keep trying to work my way through it. And that was my issue that I just didn't recognize for a long time. It was just giving myself a break. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that, man. Because, yeah, like I said at the start of this interview, I think this is something that so many people face. You, you wouldn't know and, right. and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think it's very common, but it is. is and it's yeah. more and more common in our society, in you know, our generation, with the kind of stories we see amongst any entrepreneur that people we look up to that we don't, we don't know about, you know? So it's, it's really refreshing to talk to you about this kind of stuff, not just about how do you build a successful business? How do you become a successful entrepreneur? But in some essence, sometimes the aftermath when you thrash so hard to get where you want to be. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have had a chance to talk, talk with you about it. It's, I think it's a really important discussion. Genuinely. It's just one that, isn't had enough, I guess, and it's it's much easier to feel good 
than people realize and to be able to have what you what you want without destroying yourself in the process yeah that's right because i think sometimes when you you kind of jump in and and start following the processes sometimes it's it's easy to forget why you're doing what you're doing get so caught up and yeah at the end of the day we all just want to be happy right we want to do stuff that we love and we just want to be happy, and sometimes you can get so caught up with the end goal that it it doesn't get there, right? Yeah, and it's 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 really easy. I I see consistently with basically every business is like everyone starts from I think a, a positive place, or a lot of a lot of startups start from a good place of like we had a problem and we found a solution and it's awesome and we're happy about it. Now let's share it with others, or like we wanted to create something that was cool for us or we wanted to do something that was cool. We did great. Now let's share it. And then you have some financial success and you kind of get caught up in it. Either the financial aspect, I don't really get caught up in money, fortunately, but I get caught up in ego stuff. Right. And I think it's really easy for, for anyone to, to fall into that trap. Uh, just like having your ego stroked and feeling important and just constantly seeking stuff that, that strokes your ego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, man. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, dude. I've had a lot of fun. Likewise. It's been a really interesting conversation. And, yeah, look, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time, dude. If there's any final words that you'd like to have, any questions that you wanted me to ask you that I haven't asked you. Um, oh, no. Thanks again for inviting me on. This was cool. And uh, yeah, I definitely look forward to, to seeing, how, seeing how it turns out and if there's a decent response. And yeah, this was, this was cool. I guess the only thing I would leave is like if, if they want to uh, read the book, like they can get it on Amazon. Yeah, for sure. Um, there will be a full page ad in the magazine and What's uh, yeah the easiest way to find the book? Just search in Amazon or visit yeah. visit your site. Easiest way is to just get it on Amazon, but uh, they can go to charliehome.com too. Awesome. All right, too easy, man. Well, look, thanks again for taking the time, brother. Yeah, dude, my pleasure. Thanks again. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.